This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Marisa Shu, Senior Designer at Feature. Marisa, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Terrific, thank you for coming. It's February 1st, if you can believe that. Gosh, January is gone already. Uh, okay, let's uh, set the stage for today's conversation. Uh, all right, if you ever traveled somewhere by plane, you've got a chance to hear this announcement, boarding complete. If you're lucky to get a ticket on a cruise ship, that long process of staying in a queue and get your stuff and yourself on the ship is called onboarding. Where else do you have a chance to encounter this notion? Well, mobile apps. To explain what exactly do we mean by that, I've got Marisa from the Mobile Growth Consultancy feature. Okay, before we will be covering the topic, let's kick off by talking about you, Marisa. What brought you to the app industry? Well, um, my background is actually in graphic design um, and social media marketing. Um, I moved to Berlin about three years ago, um, working in e-commerce and um, B2B um, visibility platforms. And yeah, now I'm at Feature doing app growth. So it's definitely a growing industry and I really enjoy it. How do you enjoy Berlin so far? Right now it is just rainy and dark, but <laughs> the summers are really nice. I'm also from Seattle, so I feel like people always complain about the Berlin winters, but I, again, grew up in Seattle, so I'm used to used to the rain. Got it. So it's easier for you, no complaints. Yeah. Uh, right. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Berlin myself, and uh, I guess I shouldn't be complaining either because uh, we have got the chance to have the same weather over here in Odessa in Ukraine. Anyhow, um, all right, jokes and puns aside, what is onboarding for a mobile app? Why it's important? Uh, can you give us a quick recap of how mobile app onboarding has been evolving over the years, perhaps? Yeah, so onboarding is basically um, your user's first impression, right? It's, it's um, purpose is to kind of guide um, a user to activation, which is essentially um, a user experiencing the value of an app for the first time. So this can include like setup steps, like account creation, you know, adding credit card details, um, just steps necessary to successfully activate the user um, within the app and experience the value that that app has to offer. Um, and that's obviously super important in terms of retention. Um, let's see, quick recap. Um, I would say the biggest kind of learning over the years is this kind of one size fits all approach. Um, that's probably that's like how onboarding kind of started out, and now I think there's you know in-app surveys, um, differentiated onboarding, dynamic paywalls, um, all of these things that kind of create a tailored experience to the user that have developed over time. So people are actually giving our um, real um, 
educated thought of how this process should be arranged because to uh, like right now they have a you know pretty good understanding based on data on research done on other apps uh if anybody can remember 2008 2009 when apps were new nobody had any clue about what is onboarding uh partially probably people had an experience of just um uh, transferring uh how the onboarding process was conducted for websites trying to borrow certain components but uh, i guess it was pretty clunky back in the day but by now so much of our experience and data you can accumulate and stop guessing know exactly where you can you know uh you can make mistakes what you should avoid right yeah definitely and every user is, I mean, their journey is different, so their onboarding should be too. Okay, so um, what are the best practices for uh, onboarding? I, I assume you have a big list of to-do uh, for what what, consist, what is the proper onboarding process. Uh, let's kind of briefly run through that list and then feature the most important items that should be on the list of an app marketer, the ones that he or she should be focused on. Um, I mean, I guess in terms of app marketing, so keeping in mind that, um, that onboarding starts with um, user acquisition, right? So you need to align with those users' expectations. Um, I think a lot of onboarding problems come from this kind of misalignment between promises made or expe expectations um, that might be different from the user acquisition side. So um, just being sure that there's a kind of a continuity and delivering on those expectations that are set in the app stores um, mm -hmm. and also reinforcing those value propositions um, within the first session of the app, I think is really important. Um, also on the term or on the page of value propositions, just kind of leveraging those wherever you can see fit um, and doing this in in a quantifiable way, right? Like headspace, I think mentions like just 10 days of headspace can increase happiness by 16%. And that's so much more effective than like, hey, check out our meditations, you know, like it's it's good to have the numbers to back those things up. So right of the bed, you're, you're telling people what they should expect, not just, you know, in very vague, broad terms, but some specific numbers that will, that will give them the feeling of what they should expect, what it's going to look like once they start using the app, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, also, pre-permission prompts is something that we consider a best practice. Um, this is specific to iOS. Um, but it's basically before you ask for like location services or notifications, which is especially or, um, important for CRM, um, priming the user with um, a screen that says, hey, this is the benefits of you opting into this and then hitting them with that system prompt. Because a lot of times apps just show the system prompt first and then users are obviously gonna, like it just hits them and they're like, no, I don't know, get out of here. So giving them the benefits. Um, I think with pre-permission prompts is also considered a best practice. Um, some little like UI or UX details, um, progress indicators for celebrating success and uh, motivating users 
to complete the onboarding process. Um, like gamification right now, I think is a really big buzzword, but it does work. Oh yeah, you know, celebrating those those little wins is is very beneficial. So um, I guess when you're an app marketer and trying to figure out how the onboarding process should look like, and you come to this step when the uh, there's got to be a screen that will be asking your users permission to track their location, the information that's important. Just um, try to walk in their shoes. Do not do anything that yourself would be rejecting. Um, just uh, imagine that you are holding the phone and being exposed to your app as a potential user. And just um, at what situation you would say, no, no just um, forget it. Or if you can see exactly why you're being asked to provide your location and you're just chill with that, right? And again, going back to the value propositions, I think just framing the copy in terms of ways that it benefits the users, like not saying necessarily like, look at this feature, but being like, this is how this feature can benefit you. Um, which again, same things go for the pre-permission prompts is kind of framing that in, in the way that would benefit the user. All right, the, the, these are the, important, the most important ones. Perhaps we can name it just a few more, um, just broadly, uh, it's kind of a short list, but should be on the table as well. Um, I think as a best practice um, granularity, not having a lot of different things going on on the screen, just keeping it like one step per page. Um, also, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Like simple, simple sometimes is better. Got it. So imagine that person is not sitting at home on his couch and, you know, relaxed with a cup of coffee. He may be standing somewhere you know, in a subway or sitting in a queue and he doesn't have a lot of time. He can be uh, overwhelmed with other information. Uh, what's the scientific term? The cognitive load in his brain will be big enough. So do not add the uh, uh, other layer of complexity on top of that, right? Just make it mm -hmm. simple. The KISS principle, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Exactly. All right. Now, um, what is your in your playbook is no-no for onboarding? Uh, perhaps what are the common mistakes you would be happy if, if mark, app marketers stop doing? Anything we haven't mentioned yet? Probably something else? Um, I think in terms of... Um, Paywalls, I've seen a lot of just paywalls on app launch, which to me is kind of frustrating because it's like, why would anyone sign up for exactly. a subscription when they have no context as to benefit at the benefit that it brings them, right? So you want to um, make sure that it's timed after the app value has been explained um, and then have like engaging visuals and copies or copy that kind of motivates um the the user and, and showcases the highlights of the value of a premium or a subscription. Got you. Um, well, all apps are different, uh, different functionalities, different features, different use case. Um, can you think of an app or probably an app category if that will make more sense? Um, uh, that kind of requires the shortest or the longest onboarding process. 
if that makes sense. Sorry, say that one more time. So uh, looking at your experience, can you recall the quickest and the longest app onboarding process? Like uh, in some case, uh, logically, um, it was, you know, uh, the best way of making the onboarding process really quick, just a couple of steps. And that was the only, you know, couple of steps that were necessary. But perhaps the longest case would be uh, the net, an app which did require to have multiple steps and uh, um, like, um, but that was the right way to do like having a less, uh, um, just a few steps wouldn't make sense in that case. Kind of the longest and the shortest path perhaps um, not an app, but the category of apps. Yeah, I mean, I, so the, the shortest that comes to mind is Adidas, um, which is essentially, they just had um, like some pre-permissions and um, like asking your shopping preferences. Um, but I actually didn't feel like that onboarding the short onboarding worked very well um, because registration is obviously something that's super important when it comes to e-commerce or, you know, you need to put in your details, you need to put in your card and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, and the way that they had their flow structured was it, it asked for that information as the user went to check out, which puts that, that like really high friction point at a really, really important Perfect. action. Right. Yeah. Um, so to me, that onboarding didn't work. I guess that doesn't fully answer the question of the short one that did work, but that's just the one that sticks out to me in my mind. Um, one longer one that I did really enjoy was Duolingo. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. It's like the language learning app. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty po popular over the place. Yeah, I know what it is the adorable little green owl mascot. Um, yeah. Basically, they um, they take you through this so the kind of in-app survey of getting gauging like what language you want to learn, um, what your level is. And if you're a brand new user, they take you or brand new to that language, they take you through this kind of mini lesson, which is super effective um, because it doesn't even feel like onboarding, right? It's so aligned with the user user's intent. Um, and it's, it's gamified, you know, there's those progress indicators, there's the adorable little illustrations, um, and then it just really shows the core value of the app. So I, even though it was lengthy, I thought that it was super aligned with, again, the, the user's, um, intent. So I guess so for what you're describing for, for the Duolingo app, uh, adding a bit of a humor, making people smiling a little bit will be helpful. I mean, unless if this is not the app about paying taxes, something that it's kind of hard to make people uh, smiling, but <laughs> jokes <laughs> aside, uh, in some cases, uh, a bit of a humor always helps to relax the process and make it easier. Um, just uh, make it look like it's not onboarding at all in a classical you know, sense as you, as you may think, which is, you know, um, something you have to go through to actually get to the uh, actual function I'm looking for and make it not stressful, uh, just explain why it's happening. And um, I would think, uh, on, uh, 
unless it's really necessary to make it long. Um, even with Duolingo, I guess every step they were really thinking uh, really hard through to avoid any extra steps, just the minimum amount, but still to get a complete experience to make it work, it should be that that long, right? Yeah, I think their approach, instead of kind of flexing these value propositions of like, this is how Duolingo can benefit you, like they just showed through the lesson. And that to me, again, felt less like onboarding and more like just part of the experience. And that integration was really pow powerful despite the, the length. All right, uh, got it. Uh what would be your key message to app marketers with respect to the app onboarding? Something that they should keep in mind whenever they are on the path of adding new features, uh, taking advantage of new hardware from Apple, you know, working with the feedback from clients, all that, all those things, all those processes. Um, when it comes to uh, app onboarding, what they should be always focused on and do not forget. Um, I think overall the purpose of onboarding is to build trust, right? Focusing and like reframing your onboarding process to fit again, how it can benefit the user, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to how the user can kind of benefit you. Um, and all the best practices that we discussed and, and things like that are essentially fitting into that box of building trust. Yeah, building without trust, uh, there's nothing, including the money you're trying to generate with your app and make a, uh, this project profitable. Um, yeah, this this is the reason why there are, if I'm not mistaken, the latest numbers for Apple's number of paying customers on iTunes, 785 million paying customers. Speaking about trust, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's easy to get up to one billion of paying users for your app, but if you don't have, if you don't build trust between you and your users, you don't have any chance to build any kind of uh, you know, user base. Exactly. The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a directory to look up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now back to the show. Okay. Um, now we are coming to the second part of the show where I am asking a few quick questions to every guest on the show um, to build a better picture for who he or she is to let the audience know who are these people in real life. Okay, here comes the question number one. Uh, what smartphone do you have now? Have you been switching between these two big giants, iOS and Android, or just staying one side all the time? Um, I mean, as a designer, I feel like I have a lot of brand loyalty to Apple. Um, so right now I have an iPhone XS, which... Is, I'm actually kind of due for an upgrade. I feel like I'm I'm this weird balance of like, okay, I really like Apple products, but I'm also super practical, so I'm not gonna like upgrade unless my phone is broken. <laughs> um, but I I don't I don't think I've ever had an Android smartphone, actually. So this is actually the testament to the durability of Apple products. If you still 
happy with iPhone uh, 10X and it's still doing the job, doing the trick for you, it means it's still in good shape. Yeah. Uh, yeah and um, <laughs> don't fix if it's not broken, right? Exactly. I also have like an OtterBox on my phone though, because I, I break everything. So I think that has been one of the, the um, factors of time, but agreed. Okay. Um, do you remember your first mobile phone? I think it was, I remember what it looked like. It was like a little gray flip phone with blue. Um, but I remember my second phone, which was more impressive, was like the Motorola Razr, like the, the classic, um, which I, I know has like come back or not made a full comeback, but like they made a version, I think a couple of years ago of like a reinvented Motorola, Motorola, uh, God, Motorola Razr. Um, which I have not gotten on board yet with. I don't know if I will, but the nostalgia's there. Oh yeah, well, one and only. Uh, if uh, I guess people had a chance to watch the new Metrics Resurrections recently, it doesn't <laughs> feature the that phone anymore, and uh, now it didn't hold uh, the latest iPhone in his hand either. <laughs> but still, yeah, the. Motorola Razr was the uh, real hit back in the day and uh, because of the metrics, of course. Um, now, imagine for whatever reason, you've left your iPhone X at home. What would be the most missing feature for you at that point? I think Google Maps, my sense of direction is almost non-existent. So definitely Google Maps. I feel like I, I need I need that just to navigate daily life. It's that bad. <laughs> Got it. All right. What new app technologists are you most excited about? Um, something um, that you're thinking should be um, should become a reality on the smartphone you're using. Probably not now, but in the future. Some some new tech that you're waiting to arrive uh, on smartphones. Um, I mean, I guess I'm I'm more excited to see technology kind of like blossom in ways that adds clear value to our lives. Like like we talk about driving impact and like you know TikTok and Instagram are great in the monetary sense, but um, I'm excited like for technology to blossom with like sustainability or connecting resources. Like there's a Berlin startup called Too Good to Go that um, resells food that would otherwise go to waste. So mm. I think concepts like That's that are, um, yeah, especially what we need in time in times like this. So, so enough of uh, apps for making photos. Uh, enough uh, Instagram clones, more apps that actually uh, making way more sense in the world where environment is, you know, uh, priority number one, and it should be, even though it's not for many people. So uh, see how can mobile actually help uh, for that purpose, for that cause, right? Okay, that was actually my last question. But before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you and know more information about what you do? Um, well, you're always welcome to reach out on LinkedIn. Um, or if you want to learn more about Feature, you can check out the website at feature.com. Feature spelled with a PH. Yeah, people should remember that not Feature, but Feature, the different Feature. 
All right. Thank you, Marisa. Thank you for coming on our podcast and being with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. And that was Marisa Shu, Senior Designer at Teacher. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. We're less episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.